Hello, my friends. Welcome to the next episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. This is Coffee Chug, and I am here with the final episode of our six-part miniseries connected to the Purposeful Play with Lego online course that we've been running for the last month and a half. And in this episode, it is just me, me sharing some ideas and thoughts and considerations on the topic of confidence. Legal Education worked with the Harris Poll to conduct some research through thousands of surveys from around the world, diving into the topic of confidence, and in particular, confidence within STEM, in schools, and classrooms, and teaching and learning. And the information gathered from that is really, really insightful, and I have that link to the show notes. And what I want to do in this episode is just share, basically what I've done is just kind of word vomit my thoughts. And I hope at least my aim with by doing this is for you to engage in conversation. I look forward to your ideas, your thoughts, your questions, your concerns, things you agree with, things you disagree with, because I really, really think we are at a pivotal point where if we don't start to address the confidence issue that correlates to social-emotional needs, not just with students but with teachers, we're going to have some serious hardships ahead, and we are at a breaking point where I think we really need to hammer in and focus on confidence and mindset and just belief in ourselves as educators and students. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I look forward to your thoughts, and as always, if you enjoy, please share with your friends and colleagues, and without further ado, it's me. Let's roll. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like happy for the boring. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos. Hello, my friends. How you doing? This is Coffee Chug, and you are listening to the latest edition of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. And for this particular episode, there is no guest. It's just me, because I want to tackle a topic that I've been very, very passionate about lately, not just for my own self-interest, but as a parent of three children who are all so diversely different, as an educator, and as someone who works with educators to empower educators to turn around and empower students. There is no doubt that in this day and age in education, we are probably what I would consider some of the darkest times. And I don't mean that necessarily like everything in a bad way. I say dark times because the pressure and the anxiety and the expectation and the burnout that educators are facing is higher than ever before. Across the board, wherever I work, in the areas that I work, with the school districts, as well as when I get a chance to travel and speak with people, the amount of young educators, those, and by young I mean those who have been in the field for under 10 years, so I'm not necessarily talking about age, more young in terms of experience, are leaving faster and faster. This turnover rate is insane. And it's because they're lacking support. They're, they're lacking um, the, the things needed for them to feel that they can do this job. 
And this really scares me as we continue to have the rollover in retirement as well as losing our young ones that we already know we have a teacher shortage. And we know that the needs of students are increasing. Anybody who works in schools, you can feel the energy. It's different in schools than what it used to be. And so we have to start to think about the topic that I want to discuss today, and that's confidence. Not just confidence for our students, but confidence for our educators. We have to get back to believing that we can actually do this work and do it well and that we are capable. Now, we've been running this purposeful play with Lego online cores. This is the sixth week, and this is kind of the, the sixth part in the mini-series of, of this podcast series, but it obviously applies to anybody. And there was a great poll that has come out through Lego Education. If you haven't had a chance to look at it, it's in the show notes. I'll link it from the Harris Poll. Talking about the gaps in STEAM learning in terms of boosting confidence and how important hands-on learning is. And this is what's really kind of propelled me to create the course, is what's propelled me to talk about it today. And and I'm not going to go through every single finding in it. You can look at the, the 41 slide deck of all the research and stuff that was conducted with um, the global findings, the U.S. findings, and then you, they have it broken down with China, Germany, Russia, and Japan as well. And this was, just so you kind of have some context, um, a survey conducted from February 6th to the 28th of 2019, so very relevant information with what we're dealing with in classrooms right now, Uh, 5,000 students, 5,000 parents, and 1,100 educators. And so this stuff is we kind of build this in to kind of keep that that in there. Something that you know that is really important is this idea um, that comes from right from the poll that says the lack of confidence hinders learning for students. To build confidence and improve educational outcomes that prepare students for the future, we need hands-on learning. If you've been doing the coursework and doing the builds, hopefully you're starting to see the power and actually doing the work. I think so much our our stress and our anxiety and our self-doubt comes from the fact that we've never started. Now that anxiety is what freezes us from beginning. When I run these statewide social studies workshops, there is an element that we've been doing this year where I take about an hour and we focus on hands-on learning. I've embedded this into um, the two-day training. And what we're doing is just trying to build confidence in the educators, get them excited, help them feel the energy level. And we talk about the learning space and the culture. And if we don't set the stage for a quality learning space and culture where we feel safe to branch out and explore the ideas we're thinking we're never going to get to this goal that we're all being hammered with this idea of inquiry this idea of dok level four this idea of of advanced thought and thinking we just think it's just going to magically happen an example that i do in the workshop just to to paint this of, of of why i know that confidence is lacking in so many We do an activity before we even build the Lego where I have them find a partner and they have to create a a handshake. And when they create the handshake, the buzz in the room, it is high octane, it's fun, there's laughter, there's talking, they're exchanging ideas and sharing and and they're doing this with strangers, someone they've never met before. And then I go through and ask them to share. And we know how much we all hate to share, right? But this is a a handshake. And um, typically, you might get one group, maybe two, and that's about it. And I have them sit down, and we talk about the learning space. And I say, okay, so we're focused on creating 
projects of inquiry. We want kids, we always talk about, we want kids to know that it's okay to fail and make mistakes and to, to push the boundaries of learning. And yet here we are as professionals in a professional setting, oftentimes surrounded by a group or team of people that you know, and yet here we are as adults, not even confident to share a handshake. Yet we're going to go back to our classrooms tomorrow and we're going to expect and maybe some cases demand that our kids open up and share these things. And so it's a really good eye-opener that we have to build the confidence in ourselves. I can't tell you how many emails I received through this online course from educators, whether I'm doing it through the social studies training or this course, that email and tell me, I am not creative. I cannot come up with these ideas on my own. I can't. I can't. I can't. And yet we're supposed to be the models. We're supposed to be the ones that are moving forward to model the way to our students to change this. So some of the stuff that comes from the research is, in general, this is in, in relation to STEAM subjects, which um, I find fascinating because I feel like STEAM is an umbrella for about everything uh, anymore. Um, but only 17% of students are very confident when it comes to learning STEAM subjects. Only 36% of teachers say their students are, are more confident in STEAM than uh, five years ago. Only 30% of parents say their children are more confident than their peers. Um, and then yet we've, we know that um, what's missing in the classroom, these are things that teachers know, but the systems are failing to allow this to happen. 76% um, of teachers say anxiety and lack of confidence hinders learning among their students. 51% of students trying new things at school makes me nervous. And 47% of students say I avoid subjects where I've failed before. But then they turn around and the research shows when it comes to hands-on learning, 95% of teachers know hands-on learning builds student confidence. 93% of parents say hands-on learning helps children retain knowledge for the future. 87% of students, when I learn via hands-on projects, I tend to remember the topics for longer. And 89% of students say hands-on classroom activities help me learn new things. I know these numbers are arbitrary, but we're looking at the concept of we, these are things that we know work. This is nothing new, people. Hands-on learning is not some brand new concept that just emerged a, a, a week ago. But yet we've squeezed hands-on learning out more and more. And I'm not blaming teachers. I think they have had their hands tied. I think about the confidence in a bigger thing, and I think I've got a, a eighth grade son at the time of this recording. I have a sixth grade daughter, and I have a second grade. My son's preparing for high school. My middle school daughter is just navigating the world of middle school. And my second grader is emerging in the third grade. And we have these conversations over and over again in education circles where where does the confidence begin to wane? And oftentimes we look right at middle school. You tend to see um, a, a drop in a lot of things when it comes to middle school. Usually standardized test scores overall drop. Um, and we see confidence drop just because middle school, part of our life just sucks, right? It's just an uncomfortable, gooey, hot mess that we can't wait to just get out of. Nobody reminisces when they're old at a bar with their friends and go, man, you remember how awesome middle school was? Most of us have somehow permanently burned those memories from our brain because we never want to relive those days. But I think about my youngest. I think about when, when, when my kids and, and, and now my youngest is going through this in kindergarten and first grade. Like, 
there is no filter. They don't care about the intended outcome in the sense like they're just going to dive in. They're just eager to learn. They're going to try things. And when they're playing, they're just exploring and doing this and doing that. They're not worried about whether they're, they're right or wrong. My daughter in second grade now is starting to, to have that a little bit. And I know that it kicks in really hard in third grade. And why? Because the environment of learning changes drastically and maybe even unintentionally because in third grade is typically when the standardized testing starts to increase. Now she has testing and stuff now, which I think is why this idea of, of being filtered down to starting to worry about the right answer is becoming more prevalent. But it's really in third grade where you have your state testing and the map testing and 312 formative assessments and 312 summative assessments and a body check here and a rubric here and a pulse check here and all these different things. And what we're doing is telling kids, you need the right answer. But yet we're going into our lessons and telling them, go ahead, try, explore it. And we get really frustrated when kids shut down and they don't do that. I think we have to be really careful about this. Um, and by the time they reach like middle school, I think they start to go, screw this. Like, why am I doing this? Like, this voice is, is, is escalating. I think the more pressures we put on them at a younger age, by the time they get to this point where they are trying to navigate the world, and then maybe they don't have quite the filter yet to learn how to handle that, we're starting to see this outcry. We're starting to see behavior. We're starting to see kids shut down. We're starting to see kids just go, I don't care. Because what does it mean besides just create negative feelings in the body of stress and anxiety? You know, when I, I ran a workshop at High Tech High for the Deeper Learning Conference in the early part of 2019. And I titled it Saving the Endangered Species. And the whole entire day was built around a full day workshop using hummingbird robotic kits. And I gave them the prompt that we need to save the endangered species. The endangered species being the engaged student. And so they had to build a bird that represented how they were going to save the endangered species. So every mechanic, every movement pattern, every color, every decision that they did when building these incredible cardboard automated mechanical birds had to relate to the skill sets that these educators already know work with kids. And when I think about that, I think about the beginning, how many of them were terrified. They're like, I don't know how to code. I don't know how to cut cardboard. I don't, I don't know how to do this. And I never held their hand. I never walked them through the whole day was, well, we're going to figure it out. Here are some resources. Here are some maybe like mini workstations here and there. But when they dove in and actually got into the hands-on learning and things started to work, you, you would have thought these people were winning the Powerball. It's no different than working now with a summer school program project that we're working on and, and all the stress and anxiety and the anger and all the things that come with being outside your comfort zone can de-escalate when you actually do the work. And so I think we need to start to think about this hands-on engagement as we've been spending six weeks with Lego. We see it in the course as well. The amount of people who are, are so scared to share their ideas, thinking it's wrong, thinking it's not good enough. And it's time that we fix this mindset. Because if we have this mindset as educators, we are unintentionally infusing it into our classroom with our students, 
And when we do that, it's not fair to sit in the teacher's lounge and complain that these kids don't want to take it to the next level when we don't do it ourselves in our personal lives. Now, in order for that to happen, we need educators to actually be treated as professionals. We need administrators. We need school systems. We need the people who make the big decisions to quit holding their hands, tying their hands behind their back and telling them you all must do it this way, this way, in this format and do 37 points of paperwork and sign your life away and sign this form and then agree that you actually filled out the form. Like we babysit our professionals so much that they have become covered in layers and layers of ideas and programs and projects and forms and templates that have basically told them, we don't trust you. We don't have the confidence in you. So therefore, we're going to treat you as if you were not a professional. And so we have to take a really hard look at ourselves, at our system, to figure out how we're going to build in confidence. You know, I think about this idea of we're at a point where vulnerability is high. Every time we go to learn something new, our vulnerability is high. And something that's taken me my whole life to kind of figure out is when I used to work in the makerspace that I had as a structural coach, I would spend hours and hours building things at home late at night, early in the morning and weekends to bring in these amazing projects that I thought would inspire kids. And what I started to, to, to discover was it didn't inspire, it actually intimidated because a kid would see the kind of the exemplar, so to speak, that I was building as inspiration and going, I can't do that. I can't make that. And I started to realize that I needed to be a better model. So what I started to do was actually do the building with them, sitting in a circle with them and saying, hey guys, today we're going to build this robot. And I don't know how to do it, and you don't know how to do it. But together we're going to learn. Today I am a student just like you. And we would go through this collectively. And we would share ideas. They would share what they're doing. I would share what I was doing. And and there was a whole entire shift to my teaching dynamics, to the space feeling when I did that. Kids were able to see that I did not know all the answers, but I didn't give up. They were able to see that I made many mistakes. They were able to see that they could share things with me that made me better and vice versa. I was exposing my vulnerability. Now, I don't have a classroom anymore in that sense of seeing kids every day, which I, I highly, highly miss. I can still do this now. And so a lot of things that I do when I work with educators, and I'm sharing this, that maybe you can use this in your own classroom, is I will create a exemplar, a project idea, but it won't be very good. And the reason that I do this is I want the kids, I want the teachers to go, I can, I can build something better than that. And they do. And I celebrate them, and we acknowledge it, and we rock, and we roll. And so just changing the dynamics of, of all that, that, I think, is really, really important. So as we think about confidence, and we think about hands-on learning and purposeful play, I'm challenging you that when you feel nervous about something, the best way to overcome that is to actually do it. And then you realize it's not so scary. 
When I think about raising confidence in the STEAM subjects, especially when we think about stuff like math, you know, we have so many kids that think of themselves as being quote-unquote bad at math. The teaching practices have been bad for so long, but we're seeing a shift. We're seeing teachers start to realize, let's just have kids have conversations around math. Let them come up with their own solutions and let's discover the the 20 different ways that we can come up with a, a correct answer and hold discussion around that as opposed to this is how Mr. Maurer is going to teach math and you must all think this exact same way. This idea of pigeonholing them into a quote unquote right way, a right answer is wrong. And so I think if we want to change the perception to help kids stop saying that they're bad at math, or in my case, saying that they are not creative, or I can't build Lego, we have to help kind of waver their confidence and help them get over that. Um, you know, that idea of coming back to 47% of students say they avoid subjects where they failed before, I think is a really true testament to things we need to look at. We tell kids all the time, we want you to try, we want you to experiment, we want you to innovate. But then we give them a point value on their thinking. Is that fair? Um, you know, if we look into middle school a little bit, I think we, we can see that there's so much going on that we can't forget. We can't forget that middle school students are little kids in big bodies. And... I think at middle school, you start to see a huge shift away from hands-on learning. We start to treat them as if they're adults. We start to treat them to get them, quote-unquote, ready for high school. And we have to remember that they're 12, 13, 14 years old. And that hands-on learning, learning through the building, learning through immersion, learning through tactile experiences, learning through getting just embedded in the messiness of coming up with a solution gives kids the power to engage in ways that lectures and worksheets don't. There's a time and place for direct learning. I like to see it in, in small little stations where here's the challenge. We get them rocking and rolling. Hey, by the way, if you need help with this little thing, I'm going to run this little quick workshop over here. We have to allow students to experience, you know, I'm going to call it failure. I just call it learning, but we love failure. It's the buzzword of education. But they have to experience failure in a healthy way. And just realize that it's a natural part of the learning process. There's not a penalty to it, and you're not held accountable to it as long as you keep moving forth in the work. No one tends to bat an eye, and we celebrate the failure through hard work and practice and sports. Why can't we do the same thing in education? And we do that because we have to give them a sense of accomplishment. We have to cheer them on. We have to help them see that it's working. We have to help them realize their skill sets are growing. And the ha only way we can do that is by doing that ourselves. So we need to kind of continue to dive into this work. We need to help them infuse learning with a state of wonder. Infuse learning with some trial and error. And understanding that creating a really good prompt can really change the whole entire dynamics of a classroom. And so as we think about this last part of this, this course, and if you're listening in on this podcast, think about confidence through the lens of one of the universal constructs that we have here in the state of Iowa, flexibility and adaptability. And that's talking about how do we help meet the challenges of new roles and paradigms and environments? How do we help create 
kids to give them the dispositions and the skill sets and the mindsets to to think through the balance between what I believe individually and the appropriate action to society or the people that I'm around and the flexibility to adapt to the environments as they ebb and flow and change over time, whether it's technology related or whether I'm working with a family or a team or people maybe I don't really care for. How do we help work through that? And the only way those things increase, allow kids to be flexible and adaptable, comes through confidence. The confidence to be able to engage in innovation and creativity for me to open up and express my thoughts and not feel like I'm going to be penalized. And I've been in those environments. There are, there are reasons why I am in the current job that I'm at where I feel or I felt like I was in situations where if I spoke my mind, I would get ridiculed. I would get shut down. Not that I'm sharing that I need to have every answer being told that I'm brilliant, smart, and correct, but the fact that I wasn't being listened to um, really, really started to hurt um, in deep levels that I had to kind of grapple with myself. How do we have the confidence for the agility to think intellectually? That that forces us, that means we have to get out and experience and do things maybe we're, we're not always comfortable with or didn't think we could do. This is where project-based learning becomes so helpful getting kids to experience the world through a variety of lenses and go, oh my gosh, I can do this, and not only can I do it, but man, I really like this. The confidence to embrace change, to know that as things don't go according to plan, or there's a new situation that has arose through, I solved one problem, now three more have developed, how do I handle that? That requires confidence. You know, how do I have a respect for unique qualities of others and self? That's confidence. I have to know myself. I have to have confidence in myself if I want to respect others. And we often see this this concept of group work, which is always a monster in schools. Have we done enough social-emotional work to help kids figure out who they are so they can turn around and help others and learn who they are? I think that's that's really important. You know, and that kind of leads into the next part of flexibility and adaptability, this, this purposeful and thoughtful response to disruptions. So once I know myself and know others, then I can handle the disruptions that come with it because I know that we're on the same page. I know we can get this stuff done. You know, and it just goes on and on and on, the potential for positive and negative outcomes and risk-taking. If I don't have the confidence in myself, the people that I'm surrounded with, the learning environment... I'm not going to take a risk. And if I don't take a risk, I'm never going to be able to develop how I handle things going awry. And I think these are just things that we need to think about. As you think about your classroom and you think about your practices, I want you to think about yourself. Where have we unintentionally showcased a lack of confidence in ourselves while expecting students to have the confidence to go forth and do the work. How can we be vulnerable in front of our students to acknowledge that, hey, I don't know how to do something, but I have the confidence to move forward today to learn how to do it. And I want you to come along for this journey with me. It's time that we start to think about the confidence in ourselves, the confidence in our students 
we have to empower ourselves. We have to take care of ourselves. If we don't do that first, we can't take care and empower other people. And this is really, really important for us to consider in our classroom space, our learning space. When the pressures to get kids to higher levels of thoughts and be more autonomous and independent, we got to take care of ourselves. And we do that through the quote that I love to say all the time is that as adults, we have to remember to hold on to our crayons. We have to remember what it's like to be a kid. We have to remember what it's like to play. We have to remember what it's like to just engage in, in the creative process of exploring the question of what if. Think about my daughter. She just had her birthday, and she received new Barbies. And I can hear her playing when I'm doing some work in my office. And the power of thinking and learning and just letting the ego go when she plays in her imaginary world, that is what we need in the classroom. All right, my friends. I hope we gave you a lot to think about. I would love your thoughts. I would love your ideas, things that you were thinking about as I kind of word vomited all over this podcast on the idea of confidence. But I think it's really important that we really start to spend some time in this ourselves and about our students. And how can we start to take the ideas that we know when I talk about 95% of teachers know hands-on learning builds student confidence, how are we going to make that happen? If we know confidence is important, how are we going to do that ourselves so we can turn around and do it with students? And we know we have barriers. We can talk about budgets. We can talk about time. We can talk about schedules. But we can still find ways to infuse it. And it starts with us. So let me know what you think. As always, I appreciate you listening. This does wrap up the six-part mini-series of this podcast of Purposeful Play with Lego. You can check the course. It'll be freely available for anyone to explore in the show notes. And I'll put the links to the research from the Harris Poll from Lego Education on Confidence. And I'm also going to put some other things from the Lego Foundation in regards to some research done on play for you to explore as well. And until next time, my friends, stay awesome.